Yo, Carlos. Woo, looking fly, son. Baker's Blue X. All of it. This look fun. Stay off the candy, bitch. Hey, be nice to the talent, man. Yo, yo, aren't you Clutch's sister? Nothing gold could stay, huh? Baker snatched his blues back? Ah, those blues are the best. Shut it, bitch. Yellow man, that's my bad. Yo, I ain't with that. Oh, with that? The king's part is gonna be off the hook. Shut it, bitch! From now on, when Baker makes a dollar, however or wherever, I'm gonna take it from him. Word to your mother. And our yellows? Duh, you gotta push in pills harder, dog. Box the candy man out! Good luck with that. Bitch, shut the hell up. I have no idea what's going on. Hello, and welcome to the video game podcast, PlayStation Pals. It is episode 36, and I am your host, Nick, and I'm joined by the Ron to my Harry, John. Now, John, you didn't hear the clip that played before this, but the clip is from Crime Boss Rock A City. Oh, God. Coming March 28th. I know we watched it just the other day. Does this game look great or what? Is this clip from the thing from yesterday? Yeah. No, dude, this, this, I, um, I already don't like mafia style, Grand Theft Auto style type games. <laughs> and this one looks like the worst version of those games possible to me. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about this one other than. Uh, if you're uh, looking into it, if you thought, oh man, I like I like Michael Rooker, oh I like Michael Madsen, know that this is going to be a half-assed, half-baked <laughs> project through and through. I can tell you that from the get-go. You, you didn't like the clip with Vanilla Ice that we just heard? The voice <laughs> acting was cringy, the dialogue, horrible. You don't know, like uh, random physical assault on strangers no, just, just for hit, saying one word? Yeah, just hitting women is, is always great. Um, <laughs> the mission structure seemed horrible. Uh, you know, I like the fact that they were doing this little heist and they're like literally like just like sauntering back to the car nice and slow. <laughs> and a lot of the animations looked bad. It, it's It looked like a trailer that uh, could get passed over to the, the person who's casually into video games and be like, oh, okay, but if you know... If you watch games like we do, you there's so many glaring bad things going on. <laughs> you but seemed a little more high on it though, man. I mean, you got any anything to say for yourself? I mean, you said it didn't look too bad. It looked a lot like Cyberpunk, like like it looked well, your game of the year, huh? Yeah. Looked like your game of the year. <laughs> well, just like the the movement and uh, like the how the character models were and everything. Uh, again, this is a I think it is a $40 game. And uh, which is weird, given all the money they spent on the cast. And well, here and here's my kind of thoughts on the cast. I don't want to discredit any of these celebrities. They're all like kind of cult, like niche celebrities that have a very hyperactive fandom. But none of them are the big budget person. Every single person I feel like on this list was gotten for cheap. Michael Rooker, Kim Basinger, Danny Glover, mm -hmm. Vanilla Ice. Oh, I remember the you Game know, Awards. These are these are people who are not getting the high fees. These are the people that are like, you know, if you go on to Cameo, and maybe they're doing a Cameo for you for $75, <laughs> you know, because they just need some work. So, um, 
We'll see. I'll uh, I'll try to leave my judgments, but I would not be shocked. I'm, I'm calling it now. This game will be under a 60 on, on Open Critic. <laughs> All right. So no chance of getting this instead of Resident Evil 4, which comes out the same. No, I'm, I'm praying that some people in our fantasy <laughs> league pick this up, thinking that you know you know that it looks good. <laughs> yeah. No. No, I will not. I will not try to think of this game more than this conversation right here. Yeah. N- nothing is good, as as you heard. Um, so all right, we got a packed show for you this week so let's move into the format this is how it works uh john and i both bring three things to talk about uh it can be a video game we're playing a news topic uh email the playstation pals pod at gmail.com or a twitter dm at ps pals pod and things are so packed this week we got so much sony stuff so many games are coming out that we are reducing it to five things this week so we um, so it'll probably be still twice as long as our normal podcast runtime, but uh, <laughs> it's also uh, Saturday, so yeah, <laughs> you know we get a little extra free time. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're giving that we're gonna pad use that extra time to pad out some of these topics, are, which are getting much much bigger. Uh, but John, kick things off with our very first thing. Yeah. So. Um, this is a special one. It's it's a uh, we're in familiar territory. There's nothing crazy going on, but we got our extra games this month, and um, I I, th- I think it's straight up the best month of free games that any <laughs> PlayStation or Microsoft has ever seen. Um, I Nick and I couldn't believe the list of games that came out. So obviously we're going to go through them. Um, as always, if you are a subscriber to PlayStation Extra, make sure you add these into your library, um, and. Yeah, hop to it because there's some good shit to get through. So first and foremost, obviously the biggest game of the bunch is uh, one of the biggest first-party games from last year. Uh, can't believe they're adding it already, but it kind of makes sense, being that we have a uh, sequel of sorts on the way, and that's Horizon Forbidden West from Guerrilla Games. came out in February of last year. Um, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't believe they added this one so quick. Um, just right off the bat, Nick, what are your thoughts on this? Because, like... You know, the biggest draw to Game Pass, the reason that Game Pass gets so much accolades and things is because they have the day and date releases with Microsoft's first parties. Say what you want about their first party, but that is the one thing that a lot of people say that they have that PlayStation doesn't. So do you think this is a good strategy to kind of, you know, a, less than a year later or about about exactly a year later that we're getting this now? Uh, I regret holding on to my physical copy of the game now mm-hmm. <laughs> because the whole reason... I did that, and I believe the reason they're doing this is because in April we have Horizon Burning Shores coming, and so I think just that is just to get people into this, maybe get them interested in the VR title that is about to come out in a few days from now, um, and then yeah, hopefully, even though Horizon's a huge game, I don't know how people are going to get through it in time for the DLC, but then hopefully turn around and spend money on the DLC, which we don't know anything about other than it's just coming to PS5. So that could be a $30, $40 thing. But hey, if you're already bought in because you just played Horizon Forbidden West, maybe you're looking to pay that. And this is probably just another way to get subscriptions up. Um, you know, the deadline is coming. June is when we all bought into PlayStation Plus Extra. So maybe it's time they ramp it up. So everyone's like, well, I got to renew this now. Because yeah. I imagine the majority of PlayStation Plus Extra people are going to un- be unsubscribed in June. So, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I think you bring up some good points. Can't but. complain about it. No, I, I mean, <laughs> and, and Horizon, you know, I would say arguably right now is Sony's 
number one IP that they seem to be pushing almost more than anything. You know, obviously we have a huge Last of Us show right now, but you know, there's um, there's not all of this has been confirmed, but there's rumors that there's five five different Horizon games into into development right now. Obviously, they're going to be working on a show. They love their cross synergy thing that they have going on right now, as we saw with the increase of sales of the Last of Us game on the on the back of the show. So, um, yeah, it's it's awesome either way. Um, you know, and the first game is free as well on the service. So, you know, if you haven't played these games, make sure you do it. But uh, to continue on here, we are also getting a, another really big game, and, and even more recent than Horizon. We're getting The Quarry from Supermassive Games. Um, mm-hmm. This came out in June 2022. These are the guys who made Until Dawn. Um, you know, it's it's your, your choose-your-own-adventure narrative horror game. You know, if you're familiar with any of the... Um, Supermassive Games, the Dark Pictures Anthology, um, or really they're kind of similar to Quantic Dream Games too. You know, you're, you're basically just living out a story, kind of making some choices along the way. But uh, I know, Nick, you, you like this game a, a good amount, yeah, right? Yeah, I talked about it on this show in one of our very first podcasts. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's a, a much better consistent story than I thought Until Dawn was. I thought the performances were all very good. I, I, now I'm forgetting the actress's name, but I brought, I brought her to the best, uh, the one of the best act characters in our end of the year discussion. I don't remember her name either because she wasn't if she wasn't um, Brenda Song, right? That was one of the main. No, the main yeah. girl. Yeah, she was like the one in the from the beginning. Of yeah, the, she's yeah. in the prologue. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> I have a memory of a goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> so you liked the quarry more than Until Dawn, would you say? I did, yeah. Okay. I'm a very much so. Okay. Yeah. I liked Until Dawn a little bit more, but, you know, I, I think horror lends itself very well to this genre. So so check that out if you're into narrative games. And then we'll go through these a little bit faster because, as Nick said in the beginning of the show, there is a lot to get through <laughs> here. So uh, we're getting the 2017 release from Capcom, Resident Evil 7. Fantastic, fantastic um, horror game if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, this is probably getting released because Resident Evil 4 is coming out soon. So we can obviously see the, uh, the plan in place here. And it's getting removed from the PlayStation Plus collection. Fair that point. You got it, the PS5. Fair point. And one thing to keep note of this is this is only a PS4 version, but there is a free PS5 upgrade to Resident Evil 7. So um, it's, not, uh, it's not native to PS5, but just make sure you look for that. Um, and then additionally here, we got Outriders um, from People Can Fly came out in April 2021. That is coming to PS4 and PS5. Uh, standard cover third-person shooter. I played it. It's okay. Uh, Scarlet Nexus from Bandai Namco came out in June 2021, PS4 and PS5. Nick, you got anything to say about that one? I, I know you checked out the demo, but I never, never yeah, played it. Yeah, I checked out the demo, and I thought it was very good. I know the game kind of was middling reviews, uh, mid-70s. But uh, I had fun with the brief time I played it. Now, I, if you expand that over 50 hours, I can't speak to that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, like again, it has a demo. so or, or you just try the game now. You know, try the full game. You don't even have to try the demo. Uh, but it looks cool. The art style is great, and the ability to like call in your companions to do combo moves is fun. And yeah, yeah I had a good time in, in the demo. For two things about this game: one, really cool enemy design. They're all like flowers and weird things, which is kind of unique. And two, it's very, very anime. So as you go on in the story, know that there are tropes and things there that if you can stand those <laughs> or not. So yeah, I'm glad you missed it, Nick, because I know how you feel about that. <laughs> 
Uh, and then from Gearbox, uh, September 2019 release, Borderlands 3. Um, you know, really big franchise, really big game. I'm sure if you're listening to this show, you kind of know what that franchise is all about. But, you know, if you got some buddies, you like teaming up, collecting some loot, that's a great one. Just um, know that the main story and the the uh, antagonists are some of the most annoying characters I've ever come across in video games. So uh, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. Then we got, uh, again, from Bandai Namco, uh, February 2015 release, so an older game here, Tekken 7. Again, Tekken 8's coming out soon, so, you know, why not? Uh, and then Ace Combat 7, uh, another game from Bandai Namco, uh, Earth Defense Force 5, uh, and then a trio of games from Tokyo RPG Factory, which is a... Um, it's a, a team that I believe is owned by Square Enix, whose initial initiative was to kind of make some old school uh, JRPG games, you know, a la the old Final Fantasy games, um, Chrono, Chrono Trigger, things like that. So this team definitely took that that type of game to heart and tried to modernize it a little bit. So you ha- <coughs> have their first release, uh, which was I Am Setsuna. Lost Sphere, and then Oninaki. Um, so if you're into old school RPG games, those are great. And then last year, um, kind of a, a hidden gem, I think, think, and I might even check this out myself. I don't know a ton about it, but it seems that a lot of people like it who played it, and that's called The Forgotten City, uh, which is coming to PS4 and PS5. Uh, this is from developer Modern Storyteller, uh, and it's currently sitting at an 84 on Open Critic. So from what I understand about this game, it's it's narrative puzzle is kind of like how I would describe it, where you're kind of, I think, jumping back and forth between two worlds and kind of manipulating the environment to, to you know, get through the story, but might be something to at least worth check out if you're into those kind of games. So that's what we got for the extra tier. Um, and then lastly, we get a couple premium games, and, you know, uh, if the extra tier was the best extra tier, this is probably also the best premium tier that we've gotten yet. Uh, and leading it off, we have the game that's probably has more requests than anything else I've really seen along the internet, and that's The Legend of Dragoon, uh, which is a PS1 JRPG classic. Never played it, but everybody who's into JRPGs, they put it right there with Final Fantasy VII, right there with wow. um, Chrono Cross or Chrono Trigger and things like that from that era. So, um, you know, whether that's nostalgia for you or, you know, you are, are into those kind of games, uh, might not be worth passing or might not be, um, you know, might want to check it out. And I and believe it, it's getting trophy support. It does have trophy support, yep. So Dragoon and then the next one right here, Wild Arms 2, those are both have having trophy support. Um, and it seems like Sony's kind of just, you know, if they're not ready on the front end, they're kind of being selective on maybe putting the, the trophy support into bigger games. So there might be, you know, an initiative on the back end here to kind of continue to add it. But uh, as of right now, I believe it's just Legend of Dragoon and Wild Arms 2 that are getting that from this month at least. And then additionally, we have Harvest Moon Back to Nature and the Destroy All Humans PS4 edition. And that's our packed, you know, packed, uh, packed month, Nick. I think there's <laughs> something, again, for everybody. Um, I wish we didn't have to buy PlayStation first-party games like day one because <laughs> if you have patience, man, like, you never have to buy a game again. Like, you no, really don't. No, not really. It, I mean, as long as your tastes are pretty open. Um, you know, we didn't talk at the beginning of this about that there was no PlayStation showcase of any kind again. Of course. I was 100% correct in lowering the DEF CON level because that's just not happening. But, you know, they kind of, they won me over with this, you know. I can't feel, <laughs> I can't be mad about the lack of a showcase when PlayStation Plus Extra is just, you know, killing it. Like, just not even, like... Fuck off, Game Passes. You can't compete when that's stuff a, like this happens, you know? Yeah, that, that's that's kind of a, a thing for sure is, like, I just, 
in risk with without trying to be, sound like a fanboy, I just don't get it at this point. I don't get the people that are saying like I play on Xbox because of Game Pass. And it's like, yeah, you you have you know some third party stuff that you might not have access to on PlayStation, but you're getting Horizon Forbidden West and and Resident Evil Seven. It's just the the quality of the games are not even close, in my opinion. Oh, um, at like least from the the big the big triple A games. Yeah, well, know? I think like you said, if you can wait, it's good. But it's you crazy. know, if you want to play Atomic Heart, for example, next week, day and date, you get it on Game Pass. So that is true. It's like the uh, it's the thing it's got going for it. But yeah, if you're patient and your tastes are open, yeah, the one to one the catalog is the PlayStation Plus Extra is better. Like I yeah. can't, I can't. The comparison's not there. You know, because yeah. it's just. You know, yeah, all of Xbox's old first-party games are in there, but those are the yeah. old ones. So. You know, and I've checked it. You know, they got like Pentiment and Hi-Fi Rush and Norco's on there and um, Chained Echoes. They have a good presence with some of the smaller middling games that are really, really good. Um, so you can save some money there, but yeah, just to play in that ecosystem, you're missing out on so much, so, so much. So I'm glad you're listening to the show because you're obviously a PlayStation fan because um, <laughs> there's so much awesome stuff out there, man. So much yeah. stuff. I'm almost, is there any part of you, Nick, that almost feels like it, it's starting to become a negative that like you get choice paralysis? Do you, Cause I get choice paralysis. Yeah, of know? course. And so like, that is something that's like, I will, <laughs> it makes me nervous because I would love to, you know, go back and <clears throat> check out Scarlet Nexus or, you know, go through Ace Combat 7, but I just, I, I, I have Elden Ring, I have <laughs> I have Dead Space, and that's my choice. These are games that I've purchased, you know, instead of just subscribing to the subscription, but it's it's a little overwhelming at some some points. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's not even including the, like, like we said, this year is kind of really starting off pretty pretty strong, as we'll get into reviews a little later, yeah. but yeah, even like, you know, I, you're gonna get Hogwarts Legacy. You're yeah. gonna, you know, we got Dead Space, and we got Resident Evil the month after that, and Jedi Survivor the month after that, and then, and then the extra games of those months as well. So it's just, yeah, it's almost your your backlog is just getting is, is intimidating, and yeah, it's almost like I think my I'm getting to the point where it's like I just got to play one game until I beat it. Yeah, I would John. love to. <laughs> what? <laughs> I would love to talk to eight year old John who's looking at his Sega Genesis and he's looking at the six cartridges he has and he goes, I guess I'll play Sonic 2 again. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I like, beat this one last week. Yeah, I beat it last week. I'll, <laughs> I'll see if I can you know, improve my score or whatever. And now I'm looking at 600 games I have to choose from. So so my son has nothing to complain about. <laughs> I don't know how good they have it. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm bored. I don't know what to do. Are you serious? Are you fucking kidding? And yeah, and then speak, moving on to our next topic and speaking of, you know, having that choice paralysis, mm-hmm. a big piece of hardware is coming out. We're in fact, as we're recording, just four days away. John, yeah. what do you think of all the, the PSVR 2 reviews? I'm trying to stay strong, Nick. <laughs> I'm trying to, to keep my, my wallet in my pocket, not pull out that credit card. And you know, Nick and I just got bonuses at work, so it's extra <laughs> it's extra hard right now to ignore it. But yeah, reviews and, and buzz, um, as you know, we kind of saw with the previews of this thing, seem very very high, very very positive. And um, you know, so I kind of wanted to yeah, just go over what a lot of the outlets have been saying and you know, highlight a couple of key games here, but. Yeah, we're on the precipice of a of a new new hardware um, launch. And what do you first off before we get into that, Nick? Like, 
I feel like the buzz around this one has been pretty low comparative to a lot of other, even, even you know, 0.5 edition consoles and things. I, I, it seems soft to me. What, do you get the same vibe? Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it. I think the lack of Sony, a Sony showcase, kind of relying on outlets to preview the game and just blog posts highlighting certain things. We got the unboxing video. We got a look at the internals, you know, and and with and it almost seems like yeah, they're not fully committed. They're, it seems like it's a half step as we'll get into what a lot of the critics are saying about the lack of games. Yep. Uh, it seems like they're just not there. And I know they have the rest of the year, and, you know, this is just the launch lineup and it's okay, but you know, a, every piece of hardware is judged by the software that comes out on it. And maybe that's why it's kind of soft because they know they don't have that strong of a lineup. Yeah. Yeah, and then that yeah, that's the definitely the number one con here. So you know, but it's it's interesting too because on the flip side of that, it seems like every single time somebody plays with this thing, they leave it and go, "I need to buy one." Like it's it is proving itself when it gets into people's hands. So right. you know, we might see this thing have some long legs and and be supported that way. But um, just want to go over some positives. So first and foremost, IGN, you know, biggest news outlet in the in the world when it comes to games, they gave it a nine. So that's kind of the the realm that we're we're dealing with here. Um, so some of the positives for the uh, the unit itself, incredibly easy to set up. Um, anybody who's had a PSVR one unit, including myself, knows the struggles that come with setup. You know, you have seven thousand cables. You have to get your camera out. You got to clear your space. Got to make sure your dogs and your children aren't anywhere near, so you don't smack them in the face with your sticks. Um, and this is simply literally just taking a USB C cable, plugging it in the front of your console, and you're good to go. You know, the headset has some paths pass through option so you can map out your room um, to make sure that you know everything is uh, avoidable and you're not breaking things so um, obviously really big really big improvement there yeah I mean that's a big deal for especially you you know limited gaming time like if you got to spend like a half hour that's exaggerating but <laughs> yeah. 15 15 minutes of setup and scanning your room and yeah moving furniture just so you could do this thing like you you gotta make it as easy as possible. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's you know the number the number one thing, and maybe the only thing at this point that Oculus kind of more meta still has um, over this unit. Right. There's still there still are a group of people who don't like the idea that there's even a single cable. So the fact that it is easy to set up, though, I think will alleviate that a little bit. Um, of course, top notch top notch vis visuals. You're getting 4K in each eye. You're getting up to 120 hertz in each eye. So things look smooth as can be um that seems to be you know consensus across the board i haven't heard a single person talk about how you know they're a little let down by how visually it looks um you know horizon call of the mountain being the technical showpiece which we'll get into um and the tactile sense controllers uh, about as good as you could have hoped you know i think if this was as easy to see as anything, you know, with the reviews of DualSense from the get-go. People love that controller. They put all the same guts and everything into this one. So when you're pulling back on a bowstring, when you're shooting things in this virtual space, immersion is the name of the game. So um, these are definitely, uh, definitely a big step up. And you're getting that true next-gen feel. That might seem like a, you know, a buzzword or something to kind of just put a blanket statement over something, but I think that is an important thing to identify. You know, if you've played games for a long time, a long time, you know the jumps between PS1 and PS2, PS2 to PS3 were huge compared to what we're getting now. And so, you know, it's kind of exciting to see, like, this is the second iteration of this, so you would kind of expect the jump to be a little bit bigger, you know, than we get from PS4 to PS5, for instance, and it seems like they did not They did get that. Um, and then, of course, you know, 
there are some downsides to the to the device as well. As Nick already said, very limited game library. Um, and this is, you know, kind of, it's all subjective, right? You know, if you look at the launch lineup of a PSVR 1, granted, it was new tech, completely new tech, so you could kind of get away with having something like Job Simulator, right? And, like, mm -hmm. have that be exciting. But we're getting Resident Evil 8, Gran Turismo 7, these are already existing games, but these are games that have been reworked entirely for the machine. Um, you're getting uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain, you're getting a Star Wars game, so there are things to be had there. Um, I just think, A, I think Half-Life Alex is still that one hanging chad that people can't let go of and are waiting to see Sony strike a deal with Valve to get that game onto uh, the platform. And the other one being a, an AstroBot game. I think those are kind of the two pieces that are missing where if they were there, everybody, nobody would have a single thing to complain okay. about with this, with this device. Um, so I, I think they do need to work on that a little bit, but it does seem like they're doing a great job of supporting and trying to bring forward a lot of the old PSVR games to this new version because it's not as simple as taking a PS4 game to a PS5. You have to completely rework how the game operates. You know, PSVR 1 used a camera, this one doesn't. It's not the same tech. So it does seem like they're doing a pretty decent job, though, bringing a lot of that stuff forward to make sure that people have the games to keep them involved with the platform. Um, but that's just it. They need to show us you know, Sony's own track record has kind of shown them not supporting their uh, peripheral initiatives very well. PSP, they supported pretty well and it sold 80 million units. The Vita, famously unsupported. We're sitting at, it's, you know, it died at about 15 to 18 million, which is horrible um, compared to a lot of the other handheld devices out there. Um, and, and PSVR 1, you know, if you look at the NPD list for every single month, it's the same games every single month. It's Beat Saber, Job Simulator, uh, probably Batman Arkham, um, and a couple other, you know, super hots, things like that. So can they, can they put their first party behind the development of these games? You know, do they just hire, 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 hire to have standalone teams at a lot of different studios or whatever the case is, but they need to have a plan? so that they can continue to support this thing because PS5s are coming more in the wild now, they're becoming more available, but you still need one of those and another $550 to get this headset. It's still a very big ask, but I think, I think despite having some lackluster launch lineups, they are still, they, they had a pretty good launch, I would say. Um, you know, I think people are just blown away by the tech of it and that's what they're gonna have to, to focus on going forward. Sure. Sure, sure. Um, what do you make, so when we were trying to look up the embargo for this thing, uh, people, you know, uh, were teasing that there are some big surprises in store, and we didn't hear any big surprises yet, but yep. this could be something that they announced next week when it officially launches. Yeah, um, I, yeah, you actually had a really good point when you brought that up, that like, oh, I wonder if maybe they would have a pack-in AstroBot rescue mission in there, much like they did with AstroBot on the PS5, which, you know, as if you're frequent any subreddit anywhere, you're going to hear how a thousand times how good that game is. So, you know, why not do the same type of deal here to, to get people involved with not only the, the machine itself, but maybe get them in, in love with this new franchise or this new character. Um, I can't remember where I saw it. I think I saw it yesterday as well. There was another person that was just like, uh, I've been playing around with the, the VR headset and um, or is VR with without parole, where they basically said like, hey, they're not done. There, there's still stuff coming 
Um, yeah, the PSVR 2 game announcements keep rolling in. Stay tuned next week for even more. Anyone complaining about the lineup, clearly in caps, has never been around for a VR launch before. So... Yeah, I'm going to guess that, like I kind of just said, they're just really, really having an initiative to keep bringing a lot of things forward. Um, and I would hope that maybe maybe they just end you know end whatever their announcement schedule is with like, hey, and we are working on a new Astrobot game. Let us know that you guys are working on one. Team Asobi, you know, obviously made the PS5 pack-in, but it was a four-hour game. You know, they've they've been pretty quiet since, since uh, Astrobot Rescue. So um, it's about time for them to show something. But... I also kind of think that that would just be saved for whatever their next big thing is, not just a random random announcement. Sure. But sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's early in the year. If they can continue to put games into this, and we get another, you know, three to four big games this year, and PlayStation Plus Extra starts rolling in a lot of these games, so you're not fully eating that 550 plus all the games you have to buy. If you knew, like, hey, I bought this and I get five games and extra right off the bat to check out, you know, it's, it's only up from here. And then, yeah, what, what, what do they got next week to say about it will be interesting. I've got a question for you, Nick. Sure. What's the next Sony first-party property that gets a VR game? <laughs> like her I life. asked you this question. Did you? Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did I answer? I don't remember. Well, we didn't, I didn't specify first-party, but I asked okay. you what game. Yeah, well, what first-party? Yeah, what, or just any game could, could get the VR treatment and still fundamentally be the same game. And mm-hmm. we kind of landed on, you know, racing games or first-person games are like the obvious choices. Sure. But uh, I, I imagine I Sony's got to have some plans for bringing in another of their big franchises into this. Who is it? Is it Spider-Man? Do you think they could do it? No. Insomniac has VR <laughs> VR chops. It would. It wouldn't. Be, it wouldn't be. I it mean, Insomniac's going to do a, a VR game, hundred yeah. percent. But I don't. I don't think it'd be like Spider-Man Two releases on PS Five and also supports no. some kind of VR mode. I think it would. There would be a separate. No, much know, like Horizon Simulator. Right, like how Horizon Call of the Mountain is basically a climbing simulator with arena combat. You know, yeah. it's not an open world. It's not. Yeah. You know, yeah. Could they make a Spider-Man game where you are? It's it's movement and. You know, there's some navigational challenges with some arena combat. I don't know. Yeah. Like I just yeah, I wonder what the next. The next big one would be I could see Infamous maybe you know could could roll into the uh, if you can handle it and not throw up climbing buildings and stuff. <laughs> um, I could see that working. I don't know. I just I, I I imagine within the next year we'll get another. If they want this thing to succeed, they have to put their big franchises behind it, and they gotta they gotta figure out how to do that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, if they can if we can get another again, it's all about the must have games, and I think right now they don't really there's not really that. Call of the Mountain is sitting at a, I believe an 81 or 80 at this point. Uh, it, it keeps going up slightly. It's at an 82 now. Okay, um, I mean that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, for a VR game, uh, but yeah, if they can get another like three must-have games this year like i said if playstation plus extra gets involved like that too personally i i that might, a, I might buy could, in that could be a surprise i mean that yeah. you know based on kind of what they were saying is yeah so I, I would imagine next month there will be psvr2 playstation plus extra games i can't i can't remember what they did with the first one i feel like when the first one came out they did a couple months with vr games and then they just stopped Okay. But I think that was just a that was a software problem. They just right. simply didn't have <laughs> right. any. So if they have a, a good pipeline with um, you know porting these games over to the new the new hardware, then yeah, maybe you will get one a month. You know, if you're if you're a subscriber, sure. You know, they might. I wonder if they would lock it behind extra or premium. 
And not, it's possible. Yeah, so I don't know. But needless to say, it seems like we got a you know a pretty solid product on our hands. Um, if you are a VR person, this seems to be the best one out there. I mean, the the, the main comparison that it keeps getting compared to is the fifteen hundred dollar Meta Pro. So. Um, they knocked it out of the park when it comes to the tech. The foveated rendering seems to be sweet. You know, there's an Until Dawn game that tracks your blinking, and if you blink, then they throw a monster right in front of your face. So, like, mm-hmm. that's some cool shit. That's some shit that you can't do, in a, and we've never been able to do in, in video games, which is um, the magic of that, that platform. So Okay. Well, I'd like to introduce a new segment at this point. Will John buy it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. How many days after the release... Will John get it? I already pre-ordered it, Nick. Did you really? No. Okay. <laughs> well, don't ruin my segment here. Okay. So, so if you have any thoughts, uh, again, uh, I believe John was telling me earlier he already bought Narco, you know, because he's got all this time in the world, you know, to buy even more games. It was $8. <laughs> it was either that or you a know, cheeseburger. And he's always talking about, you know... That's why I didn't go out to lunch yesterday, Nick. <laughs> this, com- this uh, you know, he feels overwhelmed by how many games he can play right now. Uh, that you know, he goes out and buys another one. Uh, so like, you know, a, that's, I'm a bargain hunter. And as you've heard on this show, uh, repeated, like yeah, no impulse control. So, just uh, if you have any predictions, and I think if you can get pretty close, well, maybe I'll throw in a prize. You know, so <laughs> email in at playstationpalspod at gmail dot com. Uh, how many days you think? Uh, it'll be b- before John buys it. And if you guys have a guess, hit me up on the side, and we can we can coordinate <laughs> to split the prize. <laughs> it comes well, wait, okay, I want your guess. I want your guess, Nick. Oh, how long? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'm gonna go two weeks. Two weeks. I'm gonna say good. in March. You'll, you'll by, by March first. Well, I guess that that would be a <laughs> yeah. Because we do we do have a teammate at work who has pre-ordered one, and I'm sure he's going to come into work and just talked about how awesome it is and how oh my god, and he's got a racing wheel and I want one too, and so, uh, and like I said, just got our bonuses, <laughs> so <laughs> things are lining up for yeah. it. But yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll All see. right, so yeah. <laughs> I'd say two weeks is a good bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so moving on again, you know, that indecision that we're talking about and, not, and a new piece of hardware out, uh, on top of all of that and PlayStation Plus Extra killing it, is a bunch of games are coming out. Uh, so we're just going to go through uh, the five big releases uh, of the next week or so or re- already out as you listen and the reviews they got and just kind of get our thoughts on them overall. And uh, the first game I wanted to bring up is Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line. Uh, this is from Square Enix. It is currently sitting at an 87 on Open Critic. Whoa! This is a rhythm-based game that stars pretty much all of Final Fantasy and includes all of the Final Fantasy music. So not surprising that it's going to review very well because that, if any music slaps, it's the Final Fantasy music. Yeah. You know. Um, I, John and I both played the demo, and we were very high on it. I've, I'm not putting words in your mouth, right? I was high on it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I have some questions, and, like, I didn't dive into it probably as much as you did. But, um, yeah, like, I, I liked the the actual mechanics to it. I love rhythm games. I love music games, Guitar mm-hmm. Hero, Rock Band, Dance Dance. I was one of those weirdos that could do DDR backwards. So I love this kind of stuff. Um Nerd. <laughs> yep, huge, huge nerd. But that's how I got all the girls back in high school. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. I just, I, I don't understand how the 
the gameplay itself ties into like loading out your party and like doing combat on the side somehow <laughs> because you're watching the notes you're not watching anything else typically so like i'm curious like how all that ties into one another but like you said man i mean you know especially in a series like final fantasy where a lot of people have their favorites you know whatever the first one you had was or whatever like mine is 10 a lot of people i think nick's is seven or six mm-hmm. you know everybody has those so you can like go to that specific game pick through the the track list there you know feel some nostalgia, feel some fun, all that good stuff. See the characters that you love. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of stuff to love it. If you are a Final Fantasy fan like this, and, and a music fan, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, what John's talking about is you pick a four-person party before you go into a song, and they have all abilities. And I guess if you're not very good, if you put healers in your group, you'll, you know, you'll last longer. Or if you have to, if there's a goal to like kill a boss within a certain amount of time, you know, you'll you'll put a bunch of attackers in your party. Okay. Um, and then as you complete songs, your party levels up and they unlock new abilities, like any kind of Final Fantasy game. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great package built around you know again one of the greatest soundtracks in all of gaming, the one of the most recognizable soundtracks. So uh, yeah, not a, not a surprise. And again, there is a demo out. It'll carry your progress over. So if you have any inkling of uh, checking that out, uh, we you should. Yeah, dude. Nobuo Uematsu is a f- fucking legend. Yeah. <laughs> dude is a legend. So he's he's done every single Final Fantasy, right? Like, I'm pretty sure. He, he's done I, all of them. Boy, you put me. On I mean, the I'm, I'm, I, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, pretty pretty sure. I'm reading right now that says yeah he just celebrated working with Square Enix for 35 years. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's done quite a bit. Insanity. Um, yeah, so that is out now if you wanted the full game. And then out uh, now as well is Wild Hearts. This is coming from Koei Tecmo Games and published by Electronic Arts. Uh, this is a monster hunter-like game sitting on an 80 on Open Critic, And by monster hunter game, it, you just hunt giant beasts on the map. Uh, they're extended boss fights, essentially. Uh, you have eight different weapons you can choose from, and you gather loot from the monsters to craft more gear, get upgrades, rinse and repeat, play with your friends. Uh, this one kind of has a unique mechanic in which you're able to build things on the map, a la Death Stranding, favorite game of the show, uh, and, and then they're permanently on the map, so you can build towers and zip lines and traps and all kinds of things. Zip line. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a, you know a new IP and you know is kind of off to a good start and definitely a genre people very much like. Not myself, uh, I can't stand this genre, but uh, reviewers seem high on it. John, do you have any? Thoughts? Any interest in this one? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of w- with you. I tried Monster Hunter World. I just think it's a it's a it's a game that's not really for me, just in the way that that it's structured and whatnot. And and Nick, you know, said that it's a Monster Hunter. It's a Monster Hunter clone. Like from everything the reviews have said, like structures operate the same way. You use the skins of the animals you kill to you know outfit yourself later and upgrade and stuff. So that's all really really cool, but. It's it's might this might seem petty, but like the biggest thing for me is the idea of fighting a monster for fifteen or twenty minutes and not seeing a health bar and just be like, okay, I mean, and I know there's visual clues and you know the monsters I think tired down and you knock pieces off and whatnot, but like I just I love knowing where I stand and how close I got, what do I need to do to modify, and so without that, 
Um, you know, it, it, I don't think it'd be for me, but um, I like I love the monster designs. I think the monster designs are super cool. They all seem to kind of mimic a real world monster or uh, animal, whether that's like a porcupine or a wolf or mm-hmm. or whatever the ca- case. And um, and the the building system seems genuinely cool too. It's not just like building a, a tower to jump off of. It's like you build this wooden flexible hammer thing that just like demolishes the monster, stuns him, knocks him down, or you know you can you can looks like build some really cool things. So um, I don't think it'll be for me. Um, you know, and I think it's also one of those games that they want you to play with other people. Yeah. Um, sure. But uh, I'm, ha- I'm happy that there's some competition in the genre. Um, you know, much like they say with the the big the big publishers you know if if they're all healthy then you know and they're all making games it makes them be better to outperform one another so rather than monster hunter just kind of sitting on its laurels and now sees a competitor and can maybe innovate a little bit more and and um yeah it's just healthy for for that ecosystem sure sure and again that is out now as you're listening to this uh, up next is Octopath Traveler 2. Uh, this comes from Square Enix. It is out next week, February 24th. It is currently sitting at an 86 on Open Critic. It is a sequel to Octopath Traveler 1, uh, in which it is a 2D on 3D uh, turn-based RPG. Yep. 2D uh, HD. Yep. Uh, very pretty to look at. I, I, it's a gorgeous-looking game. Uh, but again, not my thing. I don't have any interest in playing older looking games, but in newer skins. <laughs> hey, that's just my opinion on games, right? I've, ex- I've explained it before. I don't, nostalgia, you know, I'd rather brand play a new 3D RPG uh, than a 2D RPG in a 3D environment. So yeah. I know, John, you played the first game. Yep, never. What, are you, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, never beat it, the first one. Um, and I haven't seen too much of this one besides some screenshots and things. And it is. It's fucking beautiful. I don't I don't know how there's some teams out there that just get pixel art better than other teams. Like this, these guys in the Sea Star guys, I, I just right. don't get it. But um, I might check this out. Uh, from my time with Octopath Traveler, I remembered I really liked the combat system. It, it had an interesting twist on that um, brain of a goldfish. Can't remember exactly what it was. I would explain it poorly if I tried. So um, forgive me there. But I'm sure this you know, is, is very similar in that. But what I remember not digging very much was the way that the story played out where you kind of you, you pick a character to start the game off. And then you go through maybe an hour or two with that character, and then you switch, and then you do another character, and you do an hour or two, and then you switch, and you do another character. And then once you get through all the characters, then you can go back and you can do act two with each of the characters. And, like, they don't really interact with all, each other all that much. And so it was kind of, it was it was like there was, like, these eight mini-stories that were a little watered down compared to something, you know, that... And I'm sure as once you get to the end of the game, it, it ties itself together pretty well. I, I, I don't doubt that. But um, for me to get through a 30 or 40 hour RPG, um, I needed a little bit more. And, um, you know, as much as I like to rag on Nick for the old school looking thing, it's it, there is something about that for me. I'm, I'm a little nervous about Sea of Stars for that exact reason, where it's like I get three or four hours into a game like that, I'm loving it, I'm loving the art style, but then the art style wears off a little bit and I get a little mm-hmm. bit tired of doing the turn-based stuff and then by hour 20, I'm just kind of a little exhausted of right. it. So I think that this would fall in that realm. Um, you do have the backbone. I mean, this is probably a great backbone game. It probably is. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. Turn-based, uh, you know, you can pause it right there and not have to think about it and just 
Yeah. You know, play, maybe play when it casually. Inevit- maybe when it inevitably comes extra. You know, I can, I'll play it <laughs> yeah. there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's something I'll, I'll keep an eye on. You know, it got an 86, and that's including a 7 from IGN. So, besides IGN, it seemed, you know, because if you know anything about how the review scores work, uh, they operate on, it's a weighted scale. So, the bigger, the bigger um, outlets and things get a higher percentage of that overall score. So, IGN, I would imagine, is number one. And sure. so if they give it a seven, that means everybody else really, really quite likes it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, might be something there, but uh, probably will pass for the time being. Yeah. There's too much. And we're not even done yet with the games coming out now. Because mm-hmm. uh, next one up is an interesting one. This is Wanted Dead. Mm. Uh, this comes from Soleil LTD. They also did Valkyrie Elysium last year. That is sitting at a 66. Uh, this game did not fare much better. It is currently out, but it is sitting at a 61 on Open Critic, not doing so well. Including uh, a four from IGN. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, what they like to call a double A game, a game that does not nowhere has the budget of a Horizon or God of War, uh, but is trying to imitate the same feel on that smaller budget. Uh, this is made up of a bunch of X. Tecmo people, the guys that have done Ninja Gaiden, so they should be very familiar with this game, which is a third-person action game where you use a samurai sword and have guns, and then it's very weird, Japanese and quirky, like like a Yakuza. Every cutscene I've seen of this game is just like, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Um, but the game doesn't look to play very well. There's a lot of bugs. Uh, in the IGN review, there's a scene where a robot is trying to shoot you, and its guns are just come going nowhere close. It's like shooting into the floor. As you're literally walking. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're doing the thing where you're trying to move the character as slow as possible, and you're still Yeah, the badass avoiding. walk. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just horrible AI. Horrible AI. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just a few quotes here. We got Molly Taylor from PC Gamer say, Wanted Dead is an intentionally messy throwback, one that some people are going to adore, while others lament all the AAA jank of a PlayStation 3 action game wrapped up in a janky 2023 modern gaming bow. And I think that kind of sums it up perfectly. (laughs) Yeah, basically what we're telling you is to not play this game. There's too much good shit out there to waste time with this. And I don't think any of you would, but uh, Jake, sometimes you play, you know, things so don't play this one yeah yeah and yeah it's a bummer Uh, again it looked like it looked like at least an interesting take and as we said here we like yakuza game so Mm -hmm. another game in that vein would be fun i mean i I contemplated adding it like i I wasn't never seriously contemplating adding it into my fantasy league but i was like okay this you know could hit a weird vein somehow and Mm -hmm. you know thank god i ultimately decided not to but um (laughs) no it seems like a a miss. I would not expect a wanted dead to yeah. wanted wanted deader. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and if you wanted that, you could get this next game, which is Like a Dragon Ishin. Uh, it is out next week on February twenty first. Uh, it is currently sitting at an eighty two on Open Critic. And as we mentioned quite a while back, that Like a Dragon is the new title for the Yakuza series. So going forward, all their games will be Like a Dragon, not Yakuza. Uh, this is a remake of the 2014 game. Uh, they kind of 
brought it, you know, it only released in Japan at that time and they brought it to the States. Uh, there is no English voice track on this at all, just the Japanese dub. Nice. <laughs> Which I'm sure their data shows probably a lot of people play it that way. But if, if, that, if that is a concern to you, uh, just be known. And uh, yeah, it's just like any other uh, Yakuza game, but this one is set in feudal Japan. Uh, it stars, you know, all your, uh, you know, favorite characters. What's, how, what's the guy's the main name? Kiryu Kazuma. Yeah, Kazuma. Kiryu Kazuma, Majima, uh, all Majima. your all the familiar faces, but there are different characters in this. So I guess that that kind of will throw <laughs> you weird. off because they have different different names with the same faces, and um, yeah, so it's it's reviewing fairly well and. I don't know, John, if you have any interest in this. I know I know you have wanted to get back into a Yakuza game, but is yeah. this the one over the Like a Dragons and No, no, I think Like a Dragon would, would be the one still. Um mm-hmm. just because it's I already it's on extra, I don't have to worry about it. Right. Um but yeah, I, I think it, it's cool. I like the feudal Japan setting, but the magic of Yakuza just, I think, lends itself better to a modern-day Tokyo, or mm-hmm. Kamurocho, I think, is where they are. Um, so, no, I, I think I would just want to continue down that path, uh, because that seems to be where the, the series is. Like, these are spinoffs, right? These are these are games that released, I believe, back in Japan a while ago, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you said that. I'm sorry if yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Okay. So, yeah, I, I would rather continue with Like a Dragon... Um, is it just? It's just like a dragon, right? Yakuza like a dragon. Yeah. I'm not okay. Yeah. Um, I'd rather do that one and then uh, whatever's next, as opposed to worry about the spinoffs. Right. That's just too much. And, and as we talked about in this show, like every Yakuza game right now is pretty much available between Essential and Extra. Yeah. That you have, probably have a full library of these games. So I don't. I don't know who's going to go out and be like, yeah. well, unless you're really in love with this franchise, I don't think anyone's going to go because they're always meaty and very story heavy. Yeah. You got like 350 hours of Yakuza yeah, yeah, if you exactly. want it. If you want it. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, yeah. So maybe later in the year, maybe things slow down. Not likely, but yeah. you know, maybe just like Yakuza, like a dragon. Maybe I'll just be like, oh yeah, I'll get this. And yeah. I, and again, all those other Yakuza, like a dragon games are on extra. Guarantee this game will be oh, on for there sure. too. So. Well, and, and later this year they're coming out with Like a Dragon, the man who erased his name. Yep. So like, <laughs> plenty of plenty of Yakuza. Yeah, that, yeah. that team does not. Well, yeah, they don't take breaks. I, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> no. Hopefully they're happy over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're a great studio, great games, but yep. yeah, we're a little we're a little flush with the with their titles. So yeah. So yeah, that that is it. That is the five games that came out. You know, like as we mentioned, we've been review watching to see what other game what these games would do, and yeah, really Tom- not the, outside of Wanted Dead, everything's doing pretty good. Yeah, Atomic Heart's the one I'm most curious about. Yeah, like, that's like I, you know, I know I know on this podcast I put it on my most anticipated, and part of that reason was because I wanted to. I think it has amazing highs and could be amazing lows. Like it just. Is this a game where they've been very selective on the moments that they're showing us from it, or is this going to be as cool as it looks? Because there's some truly cool-looking enemy designs, some truly look cool-looking things in that game. But will it be good? I don't know. Could be janky as hell. We'll see. <laughs> right. All right. So let's move on to the next topic into a, the game I've been playing. We kind of touched briefly on it last week that I've been playing it, but I'm about 14 hours in now, and that's Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, I did finish Dead Space, and I did finish Marvel's Midnight Suns, so 
Uh, Man, this guy beats games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eventually, I'll beat him. Yeah, nerd. <laughs> so now I am head first into this game, and uh, I want to start with a question with you, John. Uh, what is, what is you like the Harry Potter universe, right? I do. What is it about it that you like? Uh, just the sense the sense of I mean, this it sounds like a cop out answer, but it's just. The, the way that they build that world is so magical. Like mm-hmm. everything, like their attention to detail and, you know, when you're walking through Hogwarts and you're seeing staircases shift and paintings move and, and food appear on the table, it just, it has a, 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 it taps into a part of your brain where it's like, I wanna, I wanna live the fantasy. Like that's, <laughs> I wanna have the magic. I wanna be there. I want to be able to flick my wand and unlock doors. And you just, it's kind of like just a child's fantasy. And granted, I'm the perfect age for it. I was 10 when the first book came out. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. I think it's always been a franchise that's done a good job of being the in between between like dark fantasy and fairy tales. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like as the books go on, it moves from the fairy tale, the, the, that sense of wonder, the sense of crazy mystical beast and and crazy magic, and then getting into the kind of more of that dark fantasy that we that you get, you know, the, the bad things happening to people and <laughs> dark spells and dark magic. And yeah, it always does a great job of that. And I think that at its key is what's so fucking awesome about Hogwarts Legacy. I'm actually kind of a little bit in love with this game. And as you mentioned, a big part of that is Hogwarts itself. Uh, You get pretty much free access to it, and it is intimidating. That place has so many winding stairs, as you mentioned, stairs that just come out of nowhere, uh, hidden compartments, the paintings are moving, uh, there's students just everywhere performing magic. Uh, to you know, kind of like incidental scenes where a kid blows up his hat so big it covers up his whole body. <laughs> there's this ghost running around Peeves, and that just you know plays tricks on the kids, and you just go to witness that. And you know, instruments are playing by themselves, statues are turning around to look at you. Uh, just it really captures that that what you just mentioned that magic of of what Hogwarts is. Um, that being said, about 10 hours in, you get your broomstick, and no doubt about it, this is another open world game to a T, the, and, and specifically the Assassin's Creed formula <laughs> for open world games. Uh, the map is gonna be filled with collectibles, filled with little puzzles, filled with little mini games, dungeons, um, and the map is gigantic. Uh, you. The game does a good job of easing you into Hogwarts and then easing you to the nearby town of Hogsmeade, and you kind of do a little exploring in between the you know the Forbidden Woods and all that. But the second you get your broom and they're like, "Oh, go to this spot," and you're like, "Well, let me pull back the map." Oh, <laughs> oh, a little more. Oh, and then when you go to fly to that objective, and you're like, "Oh, fuck! Objective here! Objective here! Yeah. Objective here! Objective here!" Uh, it. It's crazy, and uh, I just want to definitely get that out there. That you know, if, that if your open world games or you got fatigue on, this is just another one. To that point, it is wrapped again in that Harry Potter universe. So there, there's something definitely new and refreshing to it. And as you mentioned, John, the, just the fact that anything can happen because mm-hmm. we got magic involved and creatures can look like anything. Uh, that that really drives you and really keeps you going. Um, 
Yeah, I've, I've heard this is one of those squirrel kind of games where you just like are going on your main mission. You have a checkpoint and you're like, well, I'm going to get distracted 17 times before I get there. I've heard, I've heard this is one of those. Yeah, yeah. And you'll and then you'll yeah, you'll do that kind of stuff. And you'll be like, this is like Assassin's Creed. And then you'll come up on like a bandit camp and you'll clear it out just like an Assassin's Creed or a Shadow of Mordor. You know, uh, there's all kinds of things like that. Um but again, it is set in this Harry Potter universe, and it is so good. <laughs> I know. You keep talking about wanting to watch these movies again. <laughs> yeah, it really gets you in the mood, you know. And it's got a just a great cast of characters. Uh, all the teachers have been excellent. I've, I've, I've been blown away by their performances and their quirkiness, and they're all different from one another. And then just the random students that you run into, even the, the little side quests that you do. Um I kind of have a you early on have a kind of like a partner in crime, Sebastian, and he kind of uh, shares a secret with you that is actually another student's secret, and that student finds that out, and he confronted me on it, and I never felt so bad, like I felt so guilty, not only because I was ratting out my the guy who befriended me when I first got there, but also because this guy was just so like passionate and adamant. And just upset that this had happened, and I was just like, "Oh man!" <laughs> Did you name your wizard just Nick? Nick? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, it is my it is my name. Yeah, you do. It, it has a. People say it's really good. It's okay, uh, character customizer. But yeah, it's it's your character does look pretty good, and the and the voice work is really good. Um, and then yeah, you assign your you assign your first and last name. So if you want to just you know, just want to be yourself in the game, you can. Um, and uh, yeah, and then that supporting that open world format is a combat system that's pretty fun. Uh, before I played the game, someone had compared it to the Arkham combat system, and I was like, "How can that be?" Right. You know, like you have a wand. There's no, there's no fists, or you know, you're not Spider-Man or Batman. So how do they do that? And they do it by introducing a lot of the same systems. Um, in you know spider-man or batman you know you get that little signal over your head and that's when you hit the counter button right when you hit that triangle and it's the same button in this and the same thing like you kind of have like a a sixth sense what it'd be when you're about to get spell casted and if you time it right uh you'll deflect the magic and cast stupefy on the person um and yeah so you're just mixing a range of spells you got fireballs you got uh Spells to lift people off the ground, spells to pull people to you, and you can play around with these combos to just basically juggle somebody. Like if you can, if you get in a rhythm, like there's a you, you have certain combo of spells that person's never touching the ground, like, yeah. and, and they're just gonna die. Um, so that's kind of been how I've been playing it is just super comboing one wizard while you know hitting triangle uh, when I can to counter, and then if there are there are like like most games you know attacks that you cannot counter and then i'm just rolling at that time but yeah and when you get in that rhythm and you kind of there are you know obviously enemies weak to certain magic and enemies not weak to magic at all and you kind of have to wait for openings that the combat is actually really really fun um i don't even have all the spells in the game yet i haven't gotten any of the you know the dark spells, you know, the curses and whatnot. Do you get, do you get Crucio eventually? Like, is that I believe so, yeah. Oh, yeah, it does give you the list of all the spells uh, right off the bat, so you you can see what you get. Yeah. And I don't remember their names, but I'm almost positive one of them Crucio! <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a great game. I think it does a good job of not overwhelming you with too many side quests or quests at once. 
because uh, you kind of you got it's kind of divided in you have main quests, you have assignments which are provided by the teachers which require you to basically do a certain things and they'll that unlocks a spell so you're really incentivized to do those things and then the students themselves give you a side quest and those are entirely optional um, but outside of the open world where it is overwhelming because there's you know all these kind of trials and and uh, dungeons and just camps and whatnot at least the the main focus of the game like that quest book that you have is never just like like you know, I love cyberpunk, but Jesus Christ! Like you would drive through areas and you just fill up your quest log. Like call this person, go see this person, go do that. Uh, it does a good job of just easing you in and kind of slowly introducing you to more mechanics. Like I just got introduced to beast, and now I can collect beast and mate beast and all kinds of things. And oh, beasts! Got it. Yeah, kind of like it's like it's just like Pokemon is built into the game, but with you know the. I thought you were saying bees. Oh. <laughs> there might be a bee, I don't know. But, but yeah, it does a good job of easing you into those things. So uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of great to have these games because it's like all I can think about right now. Like I just want I'm just I just want to leave the yeah. show and just go play. So and yeah, and this is you know, this is somebody and you're talking both of us, people who thought that this game was not gonna land. No. <laughs> No. And we were wrong. Yeah, Avalanche really pulled pulled it out, man. So they they you know I don't think anybody will underestimate them ever again. No, no, and I 100% bet that this game will get a sequel. Uh, I, you know, there's they just I don't know if it was today or yesterday that said that there are currently no DLC plans for this game, and a lot of people just think it's like because they just greenlit two. Like, right. All right, they're just go, oh, just go work on two. Yeah. We want we want yeah. another 20 million seller. Yeah, and, so. and 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 I think that's smart. I, I do as too. we talked about with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is an 80 hour game on on top of you know just the main story and then you're gonna throw five six dlc packs same thing this like i think it's like 30 to 40 to beat the main story and then yeah. if you want to get that platinum 60 to 70 you know if you want to do everything so why not just let people spend the 60 and 70 and then just yeah get that sequel out in two to three years does this game have a chance to be your game of the year Sure. Yeah, of course. Do you do you think where if you had to predict December right now, where do you think this is going to land? And your top Ooh, top five. God, it's such a. I know like, it's hard. It's, very hard. This work. is a stacked year, man. Oh. Um, is it better than Dead Space? Yeah. I, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Apples and oranges. I know. It is really apples and oranges, and Dead Space is the known quantity. This is the new quantity, and it is yeah, and it on. is an open world game, third person open world game, which is always my jam. Uh, so, I don't know. But, yeah, this, this you know, Game of the Year was kind of easier last year with, you know, the Cyberpunks and God of War. Uh, you know, or, or for most people, God of War versus Elden Ring. That was really the, the question. Uh, but For most people with taste, yeah. <laughs> but this year, uh, you know... I don't know. It's, okay. It'll it'll be an interesting year, but I, I the game awards will be will be a fun time because yeah, who knows? It could be um, anything this year. And one last question: uh, What house did you get sorted into? Oh, Slytherin. Okay. Yeah, I knew you were a Slytherin <laughs> scumbag. Hey, I kind of like. Totally I like <laughs> yeah, I like I like the the reptile theme, and uh, their common room is pretty great. It's like underwater and. A lot of snakes and dragons around, so it's nice. it's pretty dope. So good to hear, man. Good to hear. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I plan on I, as we as we just mentioned, my strategy is to kind of just play this, and nothing else, not add anything else. You know, I'll put Resident Evil Two on the back burner and try and definitely get to that in March, 
Um, but uh, yeah, I just want to finish this game so I can give it to John. Really add on to yeah. that pile of backlog <laughs> games he's got. Yeah, it's probably a good time to mention that I yeah, Elden Ring is not done. I am still playing it. I just I, I you know to to get Dead Space done so we can have that nice full episode talked about it. I want to get that done and then I will go back to Elden Ring because um, that muscle memory is ingrained in me for the rest of my life. I, I have no no issues going back to a Souls game, so will not be a big deal, but. Cool. Okay. Cool, man. All right. So, again, only five topics this week. We're going to move into our final topic. Mm. And it was HBO's The Last of Us, Episode 5, Endure and Survive. Mm. Uh, as we mentioned last week, I mean, right after we recorded, we went home and uh, watched this. And I remember right after I finished, I had the text John. I was like... Like, let me know when you finish this, because, like, holy fuck, what an episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they keep raising the bar. Um. Yeah, so if you remember where we left off last week, you know, uh, uh, Joel woke up to Sam pointing a gun into his face and saying, shush. And uh, we kind of pick up right there with them kind of uh, de-escalating the situation. Uh, Henry and Sam, you know, trying to make sure Joel doesn't straight up murder them the second they lower their guns which leads to a great exchange between everybody because Joel's even though Joel is agreeing to what they're saying the tone of Joel is so good here yeah it is <laughs> it's like I don't believe you for one second like why did he say it like that like <laughs> Henry said the words I said in my head <laughs> <laughs> we didn't hurt you you don't hurt us right that's right <laughs> <laughs> and you know Ellie trying to you know be the the negotiator the you know the the mediator in the situation, um, but it does it does deescalate you know they they kind of just have a little powwow and eat some food together. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember was there any any interesting parts in this that you were. Um, no, I mean, you know, this is kind of where I think we got, you know, we, we got, well, first off, the episode started with the, the background of Henry and Sam, right? Oh, yes, you're right. Right. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, so we, we got, you know, a lot of, a lot of the uh, beginning part of this episode, I think, was kind of establishing the relationship right. of Henry and Sam. Yes. Um, you know, obviously the big change with those characters being that Sam is obviously deaf and he's a little bit younger. Um, and so we kind of got to see this interesting collapse of Kansas City you know it, it opens up with with a ton of violence you know Fedra has just fallen and so um, you know we're, we're getting a lot of a lot of the backstory there where Sam and Henry actually see Joel crash their car into the town um, you know where he sees Joel kill some people and that's going to be very important later in, in what Sam and Henry are trying to do mm -hmm. um, I don't know if we want to get into like more of their background story it's just basically them and kind of how they became collaborators and you know yeah. and, and what their what that operation looked like yeah yeah we definitely get the hint which we'll get into a little later that 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 you know a lot of people were snitches yeah. uh, that would rat out their neighbors to Fedra in exchange for things uh, and we get to see the doctor and how he helped Henry and Sam hide away who we saw Kathleen kill in the last episode but yeah no just like some brutal violence man those Fedra guys got got it you know people were angry <laughs> yeah henry has the line i think it's um you know you spend 20 years raping torturing and killing people and they get a, the first chance they get they're gonna do it right back to you right. so you know it's it's hard to watch but it kind of makes sense honestly you know right. in, in in this world at least but no i don't think there was really anything more from from sam sam and heli sam and heli 
Sam and Henry interacting with Ellie and Joel. Um, yeah, besides just kind of establishing the brown, the boundaries right off the yeah. bat. Yeah, and I think this is where Henry convinces Joel that they should work together because Henry knows the area and Joel is the violent one. And this is where Henry admits that like the most violent thing he's ever done is point a unloaded gun at you, mm-hmm. <laughs> at the, uh, Joel and Ellie. So, um, and you know, there's a lot of parallels here. You know, the, the you know we got you know Henry's not his dad, but his it's his brother. brother. And you know, just kind of, but but he acts like his dad. You know, he's you know he he's taking care of him. He's yeah. providing for him. He's being he has just like Joel has to be brutally honest with Sam. You know, when Sam asks about where's the the doctor, and he's like, yeah, he's probably dead. Mm-hmm. You know, like just being just being honest. You know, to protect them. Protectors, yep, that's what they are. Yeah. So uh, we get into get into you know a scene from the game in which they have to go through tunnels uh, to get to the other side of town. Now this kind of the the order of things is a lot different, but the the tunnel is there. The tunnel is the same tunnel from the game. Uh, we get kind of like a makeshift school underground. Uh, we get a nod to Ish, right? Ish. Ish, sorry. Yeah, I mean, this is probably, I, I, it's the most famous note series from the game. It might honestly be the most famous note series of any game ever. Like, there's very few times I can think of somebody being like, did you get these collectibles to just get the story and nothing else? Like, just make sure you see these because it's a story worth hearing. And so, you know, you can't really tell that story in the show. It's easy to do in the game when you can just have collectibles and you can have page after page. You know, you get 12 pages written down, you get a story. Can't do that in the show. So the way that they decided to do it is really, you know, go hard with this idea of these people who went underground to get away from the, the infected. Um, you know, we, they established early in the episode that Fedra, the one good thing that Fedra did in All this right. town was that they, they drove the clickers underground. Good call. But... While everybody thinks that the clickers are just underground in these tunnels, um, Sam knows, and I'm sorry, Henry knows, I always convince, could mix those two up. <laughs> Henry knows that those tunnels are now empty, right? And so this allowed this, this group of people who went underground to build this, you know, de facto uh, normal life that they wanted to live where they had a, a daycare they you know drew a goal post on the wall so they could kids could play soccer and so you know it's it's those moments that you know kind of bring us back away from the violence in the last of us where you really see that the show is about the human connection and people um, you know trying to just get by and not necessarily a zombie show the zombies are an obstacle that they have to deal with they're not it's not what the show's about, and this is one of those moments that I think kind of kind of shows that off pretty well. Yeah, yeah, you get kind of uh, Sam and Ellie being kids, you know, playing with the goal, bonding over uh, the comic book series uh, that is in the game as well, uh, and that's where the endure and survive comes from because it's a cheesy line in the in the comic book. Yeah, um, yeah, and so just a, yeah, just a lot of great interactions here. But um, as you mentioned last week. You know, the show, when the show diverts, Neil Druckmann always says, how does it enhance the overall story? Mm-hmm. And Kathleen, as we mentioned, is a new character. We had not seen her before. And it is in this scene we learn her obsession with Henry. Apparently, uh, Sam had leukemia. And in order to get the drugs from uh, Fedra, Henry turned in her brother. He is responsible for 
his death. So that is a very, very, very good reason. Well, and her brother being the leader of the resistance at that time, you know, they said, oh, you want something big, this medicine? Then you got to give us something big, this person. Yes. And again, I don't want to get with how the the season will end because it will probably end very similar to the show. But again, another reason we know Joel is going to change his mind at a critical point in this story and it's again just like Bill and Frank and now what well, the what Henry did. Henry did something that he agrees is very horrible. Yeah, he says but, he's the bad guy. Yeah, in order to save Sam. Like he just this he will do any he'll make any sacrifices necessary in order to make sure Sam survives. When uh, when Henry was calling himself the bad guy, were you sitting on the couch be like, no, no, you're not the bad guy? Because like, I was. I was like, you're not the bad guy. It's fine. It's fine. You did, you did it out of love. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's like what makes shows like these great is like the, the what well, this is what the apocalypse forces on people is to have to make these tough choices. And uh, I'm sure, like, you know, again, uh, Henry is eats Henry up inside. You can see it in his face. You can see how, like you said, he's the bad guy. Yeah. He, he's not happy about it. It's not often, I guess, in non apocalyptic life that we have to turn people in to potentially die. I, I know I haven't done that in my life, have you? <laughs> yeah. I, I know I haven't. No. <laughs> Maybe I haven't. Um, and, uh, yeah, we get a, a bit more, yeah, there's, I uh, forget where it is, but a scene with Kathleen and Perry kind of talking where she talks about. In her, her bedroom? Yep. Yeah, yeah kind of talks about her brother and whatnot and how important he was to her. Again, just building up on the the hatred and why Henry and Sam are very, very important to be found by her. And this was a this was a good scene too because you know as we've already understood as the viewer that Kathleen is inherently the bad guy right we know that she is not somebody to root for um, but you know she really lays it out point you know pretty bluntly here that even her brother wants her to forgive Henry she she doesn't have that in her though he he was good she's not he can forgive she can't yeah. um, and so it's just you know another another little moment to. Um, you know, to kind of show how heartless she is. And it's just interesting because, and I believe Craig even said this in his podcast, Craig Mazin, the writer of the show, uh, that, you know, they had Melanie Linsky specifically in mind because she gives off this vibe of a school teacher um, who's just, you know, murdering people ruthlessly. And so it's like this weird <laughs> juxtaposition. And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it was a good scene to get a little bit more texture out of her. Yeah, I mean, again, a favorite show of ours, Breaking Bad, is always great when characters cannot help themselves, you know. Kathleen can be the bigger person and just be like, we, we won. Yeah. You know, Henry and Sam, you know, they'll probably die out there anyway. I'll just leave it be. But as we'll learn a little bit later, you know, she just cannot help herself. So uh, that's not going to end well for her. So, uh, so they get through the tunnel. They come out on the other side and they are instantly uh, fired upon by a sniper hiding in a house. Uh, Loved this scene. <laughs> Loved it. Very, very video game scene here that the, the we're about to describe because uh, this is this happens in the in the game. Yeah. The moment I saw that that house at the end of the street, I'm like, oh, oh this is the thing. <laughs> and and I I don't think you see that before they get shot at. So obviously we knew they were already getting shot at. But I was like, they 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 recreated that street to look just like it does in the game. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, something you learn in the in the podcast is that that whole street is from scratch. Built. Yeah, yeah. it's built. I think they know. said it's an eighth of a mile. Of, they just brought in a shitload of contractors, a shitload of, 
every anybody under the sun that they could to get built this thing built and they did it in about a month yeah which is pretty impressive yeah all for, yeah, all for what 15 minutes maybe yep yep <laughs> it's, under, it's, it's getting a little more clear why they say this has a bigger budget than game of thrones <laughs> but as we'll get into a very very good 15 minutes yes um and just some again some great again just i love more and more when we get to see how we Joel is a he's a veteran he's experienced like you know he he's you know he knows that they're being fired on but he also knows this guy sucks yep. like anybody else they'd probably be dead because you know he got he got the opening shot on them yep. so of course he's just you know Ellie doesn't want him to go but he's explaining why he can go because this guy's a shit shot he's dark and he has shit aim nobody's <laughs> killing me <laughs> yeah so uh he goes and sneaks off um and sneaks into the house and uh you know Gets, a, gets to jump on the sniper who turns out to be he has to be an 80 year old man yeah uh, just hang in there and you kind of get this this heartbreaking scene where Joel kind of just says hey yeah obviously. give me the gun you hang out here for an hour and we'll be gone and you can live you know please don't do this mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and uh, you know I just you kind of feel for the guy because hey he looks very sad and he's 80 years old, which means, you know, he had like, you know, a 60 good years of, yeah. you know, a peaceful, normal yeah. life. 60 and then... years of listening to Metallica and drinking Miller Lights. Like, yeah, <laughs> this sucks for him now. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, he, he turns the fire. So Joel ends up having to having to kill him. Uh, and this is where we learn that the sniper is on the radio. Kathleen's on the other end, and they are coming. It's coming, Dan. It's about to go down. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we get another great video game scene as uh, Kathleen rolls up with her convoy, including a giant truck. Uh, and Joel has to be, you know, be, you know, what was what's the big sniper movie? American Sniper? No, in World War Two. Enemy at the Gates? Yeah, Enemy at the Gates. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> he has to be a super sniper because uh, this truck is barreling down on, on Ellie and Henry and Sam, and they got to get out of there. And, you know, Joel, Joel does it, man. He snipes the driver. The driver drives off, and it blows up a house. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, but there are a lot of them, and Kathleen's there, Perry's there, and you know they just want Henry uh, to come out. I love this because we're we're in uncharted territory as as the viewers of the people who played the game. So like <laughs> this is this is one of those stereotypical moments of like how the fuck do they get out of this? They're, right. Like Nick said, there's 25 cars, 75 people, <laughs> automatic machine guns, and there's four of them with nothing. So right. like what can possibly happen? And we don't know because this is. This didn't happen in the game. So it's <laughs> right. super exciting. Yeah. Right. And would you predict? <laughs> I guess they kind of teased last week with the, yeah. the caving in building that looked like it was just breathing. Uh-huh. Uh, that uh, we get a scene where the, the vehicle that exploded in the house is sucked into the ground. And, oh, God. Yeah. Horrifying sounds coming from that hole as... I don't know. Dozens of clickers run out of the hole. Oh, I think it's more than dozens. <laughs> yeah. Followed up by the big boy. If you played the game, you know this guy, mm-hmm. the bloater. There he is. <laughs> Just climbing out of there. This scene was so fantastically done. <laughs> um, I, I think I legitimately jumped out of my seat and. I had to rewatch the the clickers emerging from the ground at least five times just because it was so effective. Like the way that they poured out of that hole wasn't just 
that wasn't just scary. It was, it was horrifying, terrifying. They're like crawling and clambering over each other. And, you know, it, it was just so well done. And, and obviously knowing that it's on HBO, I should have expected this level, but I just didn't. And to see it all play out and the chaos that ensued was just awesome. And then even with the way that the bloater comes out of the ground, right? You got the fire in the background. It's kind of in this slow motion, you know, moment. And, um, and then you, you get to see him come out of the ground, right? And he sees, kind of locks eyes with Perry and uh, Kathleen. Perry tells Kathleen to run away. And she's like, you know, I don't want to do it. No, go, go, go. I got this. And I don't know. Perry Matt lasts, what, five seconds? <laughs> he's just he's just firing at this guy. This guy not even feeling it and just comes over to runs over to Perry. And uh, another great moment in the show that is uh, an ode to the, to the game is he kills Perry, much like you get a, a glimpse of in the game of how he kills Joel, right? Where he kind of grabs him by the by the chest and then uses his other arm on his head and just pops his head off. Yep. <laughs> you know, you see that in the game very, very little where you just start to see the beginning of Joel's skin stretch and it's like almost more unnerving that way. But, uh, you know, just a nice little nice little touch there. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was just enough out of shot, just blurry enough. Like, yeah. you knew what was happening, but it wasn't like, it wasn't <gasps> too much, you know? Uh, yeah, and it's just it's just pure chaos at this point, you know. Ellie's running through the crowd, and Joel's just you know doing his best to keep her covered. Uh, she climbs into this vehicle, and yes. even worse than the bloater is this uh, clicker that is definitely a little girl. Uh, she's very acrobatic. Yeah. Uh, the way she moves is uh, something out of The Exorcist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, she was a. Uh a contortionist I think so like you know the most flexible of, of people so yeah. just flipping over everything as creepy as you can but I wonder I wonder if this is going to if there is a Last of Us 3 if we're going to see a child clicker like if that's going to be oh, a new God. enemy variant like oh, of based, course it is based on this just because you, you heard a lot of people talk about that that kid yeah it was um, very very effective um, of course, uh, Ellie does get away. Not surprising. Do you think? I'm sorry. Do you think that kid was from Ish's? Ish's. Uh, yeah. 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 If I was the guess, Fedra's push probably is the thing that fucked that situation up. That's true. And then while they assumed that oh oh they're all gone, like they just left, they were just somewhere else, just waiting, yeah. you know. And then it's as it was teased last episode, and then they finally hit like. You know, again, they've exp they ex they've explained in the lore of the show is like you know, the that the clickers and are connected. You know, so all they have to do is hit a patch of you know the uh, the fungus and and alert all of them, and that's exactly what it looked like. Well, not to mention that clickers are audit auditory, and so yep. if you have these. 30 large vehicles barreling down the road like <laughs> right. that's gonna draw attention yeah followed by a large car explosion yeah yeah you know i think they you know and i know a lot of people were kind of like well a lot the internet so very few no 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 it was everybody <laughs> uh we're poo-pooing the idea that why would there be so many right there but again they're they they built up the in the in show lore to seeing how that could happen so um henry sam and Ellie kind of get out of the chaos, but of course they're stopped by Kathleen because again, she can't let it go. So she, uh, you know, holds them at gunpoint and uh, our little contortionist clicker <laughs> uh, finds its way. And of course, yeah, not surprising, you knew it was gonna happen. She dies. I love the way that that clicker attacked her. She like she looked like she was punching faster than Floyd Mayweather. She was just, <laughs> na, 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 just like going crazy at her. Like that's exactly how a, a child would attack right. somebody like that. You know, right. it's not. Yeah, I, know, I just yeah. loved it. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, 
So yeah, just an overall, you know, up there with a lot of great scenes, just pure chaos and amazingly shot and just, you know, edge of your seat TV. Yeah, and this isn't even the finale of the episode. (laughs) This is just kind of, you know, along the way. No, which again, you know, as players of the game, we kind of know what's going to happen, but it does kind of play out a little differently with some interesting stuff. Um, You know, everyone's kind of relaxing. (laughs) Sam and and Ellie are in a room together, and uh, Henry and Joel are hanging out. And, you know, Henry's, you know, saying like, hey, we should just keep this going, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, let's just go, you know, make a good team and, you know, we can help each other out. The kids obviously like each other. Yep, and the kids are getting along. And uh, I forget, what is the message Sam says? are you still inside? So, so yeah. So as you kind of uh, as the night progresses, you get a lot more focus on Ellie and Sam, right? And they're first off just reading a comic book together. But Sam is obviously not into it. He's he's still disturbed by something, and he writes on his little notepad. Um, Do you think when you're infected, is it still you on the inside? Something you know, something very close to that. Yeah. Um, which I think took Ellie uh, Ellie back a little bit, right? She's like, "Why are you asking me this?" Right. And then he in a major change from the game, he shows Ellie he got bit, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a moment in the chaos where Henry and Sam are underneath the car and there's clickers, like, so I, I imagine that's when it happened. Mm-hmm. And Ellie, you know, being the bright, you know, she's a kid, she's still a little naive, she's, well, don't worry, What I, I have medicine, my blood is medicine, look yeah, at my she, bite, yeah. like, it's all good, here, like, see what happened to me, the same thing's gonna happen to you, I'm gonna take my blood, I'm gonna cut my hand in true movie ways across the palm, because that's the only thing you can cut, way you can cut your hands in movies, um, and I'm just gonna give you my blood and everything will be fine. And I don't know about you, Nick, did you, was there any point where you thought, yeah, this is gonna work? <sighs> No, I don't think so. Because okay. I, I, I didn't. Yeah, because yeah, it just didn't seem to make sense because then where would the story go from there? I was going to be upset if it did. And what? Is it, oh, it's that easy? Oh, right, right. And then, yeah, then it would just, it, it's going to take away from, yeah. again, we won't spoil what happens later about how the how you get the cure out. But if it was just simple as a blood transfusion yeah. like like that and even just a half-ass one done where you're just rubbing your blood on a wound. Yeah. Um, it just yeah it was, no so yeah I, just, I heard but some, I did like it I like the idea of the naive naivety naive, oh. naivety I, it's the hardest <laughs> yeah, word in the world yeah, in English dictionary that of naivety. Ellie and the and her good nature to tr- think that maybe this will work um, so I, I am glad that they did it and that again it's maybe something you know people are curious about you know like a viewer might ask like mm-hmm. well. Yeah, it does her cure work this way? So let's just cover that base right now. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like have her try it and as we'll get into. Yep. Yeah. So she does that. And, you know, and then, you know, they kind of just talk a little bit more. I don't, they might have talked before the blood smear too, just about like, you know, is Ellie, Ellie scared? And she, of course, I'm scared all the time. And, you know, Sam asked her to, okay, well, you just stay up with me. And she's, of course, of course, I'll stay up with you. And she doesn't. You know, everybody falls asleep. You know, we've all been there. Hey, I'll stay awake with you. And you fall asleep. And wakes up in the morning. And as players of the games know that this is kind of the moment that, you know, we've all been dreading. And, um, again, being that there's a little bit difference in this mo- in this show compared to the game of Sam being deaf, Ellie wakes up and sees him on the edge of the bed kind of staring out the window. And she kind of calls to him and he doesn't move. Which I really, really like because I think that that is a great way of showing... That he is still there. You know, there is still, there is still a person 
inside there. Sam couldn't hear, this thing can't hear either. So there is a connection there, even if it is minorly. But unfortunately, as you all probably suspected, Sam is infected. And the moment that Ellie touches him, he pounces on top of her into the next room. Him and Ellie start fighting on the floor, which wakes up Joel and, Joel and Sam. And we get the heartbreaking moment um, where Sam, well, where, where Henry immediately grabs a gun because he knows that Joel is going to shoot Sam and he's still protect mode, right? I still have to protect this person. And to the point where he shoots at Joel's feet to say, no, don't fucking go over there and grab my son or my brother. Like, that's not going to happen. And he has this moment where I, I think instinct just kicks in and he's not even thinking in the moment. He's just... I think, again, in protection mode, but the fact, you know, forgetting that it's his brother there, he shoots his brother in the head, kills Sam. And obviously I think they're stunned, the viewers are stunned. You don't know how this is going to resolve itself. How can you go on with yourself? And, you know, in true Last of Us fashion with the world being as bleak as it is, Henry can't, he can't live with what he's just done. He says over and over again, what did I do? What did I do? Sam. And um, ends up shooting himself, which us as game players knew was coming. But, you know, I was watching this alongside my wife and both of those moments, I, there was audible gasps out of her. Like, <gasps> and so jealous. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, so obviously the effect was there, but incredible, incredible moment. So, so sad. But, you know, it just shows the impermanence of this world that, you know, people come and go and it's so 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 hard to build a relationship with anybody of any import because shit just gets fucked in one way or another um and one thing i really want to highlight about this scene um is uh, if you ever watch this this scene again i want you guys to pay attention to ellie the moment that henry shoots himself in the head she gives off this gasp or this audible thing that is just it's hard it's heartbreaking terrifying it's such a it's such an amazing little noise that she makes where i've i've i think she won me over with her characterization of ellie here because she just truly understands how this person would feel in this moment i think ellie kind of blames herself for everything you know she finally found somebody that she can protect and sam she failed him um and you know because she failed him she failed henry henry kills himself because of that so i think she's feeling some blame here but there was a lot of different moments that i kind of started to go back and think of with belly bella where there is that moment when her and joel are kind of talking and joel wants to go get the sniper and she's and joel tells her like i'm gonna go get him and she goes what what and you can really feel the panic in her voice of the one thing she's afraid of that she writes down and tells Sam is I'm afraid of being left alone. You can really start to see that with every little interaction where like, okay, I don't have Joel with me. I don't have somebody with me to watch me. I need, I'm still a kid. I need somebody to watch me even if I want to portray myself as this crazy, crazy badass. And um, I just think you really, really get that from her in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, not to, I think again, what they know the second game is in mind. So Ugh. I think you know planting those seeds, those breadcrumbs, you know, is is very good. And then just also again, this is as we saw with Bill and Frank, like these when these people take these role of protectors, and you know, in Bill's case, he was going to lose the person he was protecting. He just said, just he almost, he took the same path as Henry, you know, without. The person to protect, I have no reason to live anymore. Like, my time on this earth is over. Well, and, and Kathleen does have that line when 
they're they're all hiding behind the car, you know, right before the the clickers burst out and says, you know, where Henry's like, you don't understand. She's like, no, I do understand. He has leukemia. He was going to die. But kids die all the time. Is he worth saving everything for? And the answer to that to Henry is yes. And the answer to that to Bill was yes. And that's just something that Kathleen does not understand and never will understand because she is not a protector in that moment. She's protecting herself. She's not protecting somebody else. Um, and and yeah, and, and so I think you know that's just a, obviously a theme that that you see played out with all of these types, yeah, all of these relationships. Great. So 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 good. <laughs> yep, yep. And then, but yeah, the only other thing that happens is uh, you know they they give Sam and Henry a burial, which is in itself you know it is if you can kind of analyze it, um, you know, in depth is Joel is a very pragmatic guy. He doesn't bury people, and so I think he he he's starting to Ellie is starting to humanize him a little bit. Their relationship with one another is starting to humanize him a little bit. He's not just in pure. Like you said earlier, Nick, he's, he's a veteran. He knows how to survive in this world. That's not something that matters, but it does in this moment because it does to Ellie and Ellie matters to him all of a sudden, which is probably just fucking up his head left and right. And, you know, he's trying to figure out how to deal with it. But, you know, and then and then Ellie kind of writes a little heartfelt, you know, a little I'm sorry to Sam and says, which way is west? Let's fucking go. Yeah. And then uh, and then they go. Yeah. Yeah. Not surprising. The show is, is still as good as. Is <laughs> ever episode after episode? Is this your new favorite episode? I don't know. I don't know, man. Three and five were both so, ten out of tens. I would rather watch five again for sure. Like it's it's much more entertaining and and doesn't yeah. doesn't attack my emotions so much. Again, it's easier for us, I think, because we've already gone through the acceptance of Henry and Sam a couple times because we played the game a couple times. That might have hit a little bit harder if um, if not. But I, yeah, I, I I think five is probably my favorite, even though that hurts to say because I think three is still one of the best episodes of television ever. But that's a testament to the show, and um, yeah, man, I if if any of the remaining episodes have the chance to become my favorite episode, like, this is going to go down as one of the greatest, one of my favorite seasons of television, and like for it to be its first season too, it's just hit the ground running and fucking. Neil and Neil and Craig, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Like, yeah, dream team. Yeah, and they, you know, we got four episodes left. So, oh, one thing I did want to mention too is, um, you know, again, listen to the podcast with Neil and Craig; it's awesome. But they talked a lot about how uh, the industry as a whole right now is like so short-staffed with um, graphic designers and and just artists and things like that. That there is this big, big draw right now in Hollywood to l allow kind of the artists to choose the projects that they want to work on. And I find it pretty interesting that uh, that is the case because if you're an artist around the world and you say, hey, we have a show at HBO and it's based on The Last of Us, even if you're not a gamer, you know it's a, a big property, of course you're going to bring in the top tier talent. And I didn't know this, but they're working with Weta, which is Peter Jackson's company, um, who did all the you know practical effects for Lord of the Rings, which still hold hold up today. That makes perfect sense why the clickers look so good. Like I, I didn't know that until they mentioned that on the show. Um, but Weta is probably the the number one prosthetic company in the world right now. So they have the top talent, and it fucking shows, man. It yeah. shows. Yeah. And I'm sure once they see the art of a clicker, it just like is a challenge, you yeah. know. They're just they're just one of the best kind of enemy designs around, you know. Kind of takes that like the necromorphs or you know takes that zombie template and just 
you know, does something cool with it, something wild. And Didn't they bring in the original designer for the clickers for that child clicker too? Uh, I don't remember. I think that, I think they said they did. Is they they reached out to the initial designer, character designer, and said, "Hey, we need you to design a child clicker," and that's what he came up with. So it makes sense because that thing is freaky as shit. Yeah, so. yeah. It's like circular, <laughs> like the, I don't know. All right. Well, that is five things. John, do we have anything to tease for next week? PSVR 2 will be out. Yeah. Hopefully it will bring those surprises that everyone else seems to be alluding to. And we can talk about that. Yeah, and I have a, a group of friends outside of work that uh, two guys are getting it. So they were talking about the, when they get it of having having me over and, and we can oh, check it out. So I, I might be able to get hands on with it. I don't know. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I fully plan on having Dead Space remake beaten by next week. Obviously, we won't talk about that too much on the show as we have plans to do a full episode for that. Yeah, that's coming. Um, but no, I mean, I think after I think after I get Dead Space done, it's obviously back to Elden Ring because I've been fiending to get back to that. Honestly, like I'm surprised I have been able to resist it as much as I have. <laughs> um, and then with probably a little a little sprinkling of Norco on the side for when I'm not feeling like beating a boss. Um, <laughs> okay. But yeah, that'll probably be probably be my week. Sure. I would say coming up here. Sure. Yeah, and then we'll have Atomic Heart reviews. Very interested in, in what that game is going to be yeah. and how that will review. It looks very interesting. All right, let's do this right now. What is your medical pop bet? You want a pop bet? Can we do a pop bet? Closer. <laughs> no, I, clo- I don't. All I'm right. not confident on this one. Yeah, Nick has. What, what I don't know you, if you. I don't you know if you'd say. Ever, what would you think that it's? I think it'll be a 79. Okay, that's my guess. Is that is that enough to free to play it? Not to buy it. Okay. Um. Higher or lower? You can just can you do that higher or lower? I think, boy, it's it's like it's a genre of game that people want right now. You know that Bioshock, that the plasmids, the you know gun in one hand, magic in the left hand. But and it looks and it looks good, but I just have a feeling it's going to be very broken. It's going to be buggy, and I feel like there's no weight behind the combat. And yeah, that, that so I, I I feel like we're going to get in the low seventies on this okay. one. It's going to be a slight disappointment, but. You know, we were already wrong this year with Hogwarts Legacy. It's true. Yeah, we just we'll got to keep keep showing the audience why we're the best in the biz. <laughs> hey, I was right about the showcase thing. I, I was yeah. right. It was, right. They were never going to do it. So uh, it only right. took me five weeks to realize. So <laughs> right. you, brought, you brought back the DEFCONs in general, all right? <laughs> so... Uh, all right. So, John, what song are we leaving them on? So, Nick... Uh, Nick pointed out that we have not done a song from this soundtrack yet, which I couldn't believe because it's probably my favorite video game soundtrack ever. Uh, from Nier Automata, um, we're going to go with Dark Colossus um, from Keigo Hoashi and Keiichi Okabe. Um, this whole this whole soundtrack is incredible. They have a lot of slower songs that are more piano, but like once they ramp it up like this one is, it's fucking amazing lots of lots of you know you can tell it's a full orchestra so um check out the whole soundtrack if you can but i'm sure i'll i'll be bringing more of these to the show uh, in the future so okay enjoy this one dark colossus good good choice all right well we thank you for listening again we will be back next week with six more things and that bonus episode about dead space could be next week too depending on the time yep Depending, Depending on, John. on John. Yeah. So, yeah, either of those things will be next. So, you know, we again, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.